Hey, welcome everyone. Good morning. We are so glad you're here. It's great to see you. And we are excited about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, because we're concluding this series we've been in, The Gift of One Day, but the adventure is just beginning. The adventure on how to unwrap the gift that God gives us of each new day and open our hearts to receive all that God has for us is just beginning at Woodland Church. And it's kind of like a, a ripple in a pond. It's just getting started and it's changing lives, not just here, but all over the country as so many churches will now be going through the gift of one day. And so I just want you to know, even though the series is ending this weekend, the lifestyle is just getting started. I know Chris and I are just getting started on how to live this way. It's in the middle of a story where the character, whether it's a good book or a movie, seems to always be in trouble. It's in the middle of a story where the main character seems to be in a desperate situation and things look really bleak, but it's okay because it's just in the middle. You're not to the end of the story. It's what happens in the end that really matters. It's the end of the story that matters, not what's going on in the middle. Now, if you're a Texans fan, you learn that during the playoffs. It's not the beginning, it's not the halftime, it's the end of the game. The score at the end of the game is the only thing that matters. I mean, in the first playoff game against the Buffalo Bills, we were behind 16 to nothing, we played terrible. Yeah, he was like, man, I just give up on the Texans. And then we came back and won, and I forgot all about that we were down 16 to nothing. All I thought is we were just one game away from playing a game for the Super Bowl, and then we got up 24 to nothing over the Chiefs in the next game. I thought, this is amazing. I think we're going to go to the Super Bowl this year, but I forgot all about that. And I was ready to fire the team after that, you know? I mean, we don't care about what happens in the middle. All we care about is what happens at the end. That's all that matters. And that's the way it is with the story of your life, is God is writing your story, and you're in the middle of the story. God's the one who's writing the story, and he's not finished writing your story yet. And if there's one thing that may be the most powerful thing that we learned in our journey with Jude, our grandson, who lived on this earth for one day before he went home to heaven. And the way he unwrapped the divine gift of that one day and how we walk through that journey as a family is that you have to share your story even before you know how it ends. Because it's in the middle that God does so much when we're open to share our story. So I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 13 because here we see David share his story with the world before he knew how it was going to end. And David is so real and genuine. The Bible says he's a man after God's own heart, and that's because he had such a genuine heart. Would you stand in honor of God's word and just follow along with me? Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul? with sorrow in my heart every day. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle in my eyes or I will die. 
Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Dear God, we just ask you today to help us just get a little bit of a glimpse of the fact that you're writing our story, that you're the author and you're the one who writes the story and you'll write the last chapter. And we thank you, Lord, because of your victory. When you rose from the grave after dying on the cross that we know we win in the end. And we thank you, Lord, for that victory. And, and I just pray for everyone who's right in the middle of the story right now. And maybe it looks bleak. Maybe, Lord, it's so painful. And maybe, Lord, it just seems like they're in an impossible situation. That you would remind them that the story's not over yet. You haven't finished writing the story yet. They haven't come to the last chapter yet. And you have a purpose and you have a plan and you will see them through. Lord, I pray that you would help every one of us begin to share our story, whether it's at the beginning, the middle, or toward the end, that we would share our story, Lord, with each other because there's so much power in it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. So today we're going to talk about three reasons that you need to share your story, even if you don't know how it ends. And the first is the miracle is in the middle. The miracle's in the middle. We think the miracle is at the end when everything is tied up nicely with a bow, but the truth is the miracle takes place right in the middle, right during the mess and the hard stuff. Let's look back at our key passage in Psalm 13, and right at the beginning, I want you to underline every time you see the phrase, how long? How long? If you look closely, you're gonna find four times. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? Oh, how, Lord, how long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with my, with my anguish and my soul with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Have you ever asked the Lord, Lord, how long? I am waiting. I'm waiting right here for delivery. I'm waiting for rescue. Where are you, God? How long will I need to wait? You see, David, who wrote this psalm, is waiting and he's wondering if God is ever going to come through. He's wondering if God forgot about him. Now, we already know the end of the story and we know that God did rescue him. We can now read about the story of his life, but when he wrote these words, David couldn't imagine all the goodness that God had in store for him. All he could see was the pain that was going on right then, right in the middle of his life. And it's the same for us. It's in the middle of our stories that we start doubting God. It's in the middle of our stories that we feel insecurity and fear rise up. It's in the middle of our stories that we say, how long, God, I'm waiting here. And our family experienced that in our journey with Jude. Believe me, there were plenty of times sitting in hospital rooms where I'd say, God, how long? How long? Plenty of times uh, since he went to be with the Lord that we have said, Lord, how long? How long will this hurt? How long? See, we're still in the middle of the story. We have not been talking about our grandson Jude because that story's over and now we can tell about it. No, we're very much 
in the middle still, uh, personally, in our family. But uh, we are doing our best uh, imperfectly to walk this out in front of you and to say, okay, this is what's going on in our lives. And I am so grateful for Scripture. I'm so grateful that Scripture does not paint a picture of perfect people. So grateful that we have recorded here and many other times in the Bible where David and others wondered, what is going on? God, I, don't, I do not understand this. I thought you were for me. But yet all I see is pain and destruction and despair. Where are you? How long will I have to wait? And right there in the middle is the place where the miracle is happening because that is where God really gets hold of our heart. Sometimes I almost feel like I can feel myself being stitched into his story because um, the places where my life is stitched into, into God's story, I feel like I can almost feel that needle pierce my heart. It's like, okay, I'm being tied in to this story that God is writing. And he loves to reach us, to touch us right in the middle of our mess. And one of the ways he loves to do this is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. And it says this, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Did you catch that? God uses us. He uses you and I, not in spite of our scars, but because of them. Our scars, the tough places that have happened in our lives or are happening in our lives, aren't things to hide from and hide from others and cover up. No, this verse tells us, wow, that is actually a clue. Our scars are a clue to the very place that God wants to use us in someone else's lives. And so if you're a Christ follower, I want you to think about that. Think about it um, when you go home today, when you walk through your day during the week. Think about, God, how could you use my very scars, the thing I feel like running away from, to make a difference in someone else's life? Now, after Jude went to be with the Lord, suddenly several people started coming up to us. Some were people we had not known before, but some we'd known for years and they started sharing their stories. They'd tell us how, you know what, I also lost a grandchild. Or they would say, I lost a child, so I understand a little bit of your pain. Or they would say, I went through a miscarriage, and, and I understand what it is to long for a child. Or I lost a loved one recently. I lost my spouse, and I, I understand I'm praying for you in knowing what it feels like to be missing someone who's not with you. Somehow, we discovered, our pain, um, that space, allowed people to feel like they had permission now to share their stories. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could all share our stories all the time? If we didn't have to wait for that opening uh, to, to talk to someone on the side, but we could actually share openly and say, yeah, I've experienced this and it hurts. I'm going through a tough time and I need help. There's one thing, Jude... Uh, taught me that relates so closely to this, and that is that being real means being awkward. If I'm going to be real with you, if Carrie and I are going to be real and honest with you, if our family is going to be real, then we're going to be awkward sometimes. And I just thank you for the grace you give us because we are not going to be perfect. None of us are going to share our stories perfectly. 
If we wait for the perfect moment with the perfect time, it's just never going to come. And the good news is God doesn't expect perfection from us. He expects us to run hard after Christ, to be as much like him as possible, and to share his love boldly, and to be honest and open about what he's doing in our lives, because that's where the miracle is happening. And so I want to introduce to you um, a couple in our church, Chris and Jessica Van Houten. Uh, Chris is the pastor of Life Groups uh, here at Woodlands Church. He's an awesome guy. His wife is so wonderful. And Carrie and I have just loved Chris and Jess for a long time. But as we've mentioned, we happen to be telling this story because it's our particular story. This is the place where our scar is, our deepest scar. But we all have scars. Everybody's look different, but we all have scars. We all have pains. We all have tough stuff. And we're all in the middle of our stories. So Chris and Jess are going to share with you what's going on in their lives. And this is a chance for us as a church to come alongside them and embrace them and, and be with them in this. It takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to share your story, even when you don't know how it's going to end. And so would you please welcome Chris and Jess. Thank you, Pastor Carrie and Chris. We are truly so honored this morning to be able to be with you and share a little bit of our story. And I just wanna say I'm so thankful for those of you who are foster parents or who have fostered. It's a little bit of our story and, and we are thankful for you and our hearts are deeply connected to yours as well. Adoption was something that's always been on our heart, but also seems so scary. There's so many uncertainties and um, just unknowns about that journey. And I remember after Jude had gone to be with the Lord, talking with Josh and Kelly on a few occasions about foster care. And it was something that was both on our hearts. And after these conversations, I remember Chris and I would go home and we would talk and we would start evaluating the risk level, what would cause the least amount of pain, because I knew I wanted to control as much as possible in this journey. And the more we talked about it, the more it became clear that there was uncertainty attached to everything we were looking at, everything we were considering. And so as we continued to talk through that, we knew that we had to just take a step of faith and trust God. We weren't going to let our fears hold us back from what we knew the Lord was calling us to do. And so we began the process and we did interviews and we took the classes and we changed our home, and at the same time, Josh and Kelly led the way in creating the foster care and adoption ministry here at Woodlands Church. And after our home was licensed, everything became real January 8th, 2019, when we got the call for our first child in need. And after being so nervous and excited and really not knowing much about um, this little boy, we said yes. And it was a mad dash. We had to scramble to get some of the specifics just to get through the night. And I remember that night, I didn't sleep at all. I just stared at this monitor, waiting to see if something was gonna happen, if something was gonna change. Um, it was a very long night. And the next days that followed, we excitedly told our family and our friends that we had this sweet little boy in our home. And we also shared how lost we already felt in the process 
I mean, we didn't know where to start. There's so many types of toddler food out there. I didn't even know where to begin. In the days that followed, people started to bring food and clothes and toys that they had donated to this sweet little boy. And it was a huge blessing to see their love in action to our family. And we were learning as we went. We, we didn't know what we were doing. We were first-time parents, and we were trying to navigate the foster system. And we didn't understand the toddler words he was trying to tell us. He was asking about his mom, and we were trying to navigate those questions. And we just didn't even know what he liked and what he didn't like. And it was really hard, but it was so good. And as we got further in this journey, it got harder. And our little boy struggled to adjust in our home. And we battled anxious feelings and worried thoughts as the case changed. And at times, we felt like we were drowning in inadequacy. I remember one day, Chris and I were talking, and I was feeling so overwhelmed. And he told me, we just need to show up today. And what he, what he meant was, we just need to show up and be there in the moment. We needed to take what we felt like the Lord had poured into our hearts for that day of love and of patience and just be there and let God do the rest. And that was our reminder to let go and know that God will do great things as we show up and give out what he's poured into us. And so over time, we were blessed to see some of the fruit that God had produced and such a deep love that grew from those really hard places. The theme of showing up continued. Uh, it was kind of a common thing for us, was just continuing to remind each other uh, to keep showing up, or just even saying, we showed up today. Um, this was a journey, and it was difficult, and there were plenty of fears that kept sneaking up and, and reminding us that we didn't have control. And so there were so many moments of feeling the weight of the burden, burden of the what if. Um, what if this happens? What if this comes? What if you know any and all things happen next? We just felt um, that we didn't know what tomorrow held, um, but we could only live in the moment. And so one of the things that through this season uh, with Josh and Kelly and one of the things that Jude taught us was a uh, prayer for today. And so we would pray, Lord, just for today, give us the ability to love this little boy in a way that he will experience your love. And as we continued to pray that, really we you know, kind of wrestled with the idea that none of us, no matter what our situation is, is promised tomorrow. We have today. So in, in our understanding, we were thinking, we're gonna celebrate the miracle of this little boy today, and we're gonna love him today. And there were moments that were difficult still because foster care is messy. It's complicated. Uh, there's so many uh, things that we don't have control over in that process. Um, and there were days that seemed impossible. Uh, we'd be worn out and discouraged, but we would continue to say to each other, we showed up today. We showed up today. And that showing up grew into um, really a great love. Uh, not only as we lived in the present and we engaged in the moment and we poured everything we had into him, uh, we loved him boldly, um, but I know he felt that and he, uh, his love for us grew as well as our love for him grew. Uh, and he started calling us mommy and daddy at one point and we, uh, it was an honor. It was like one of those moments where it's it like, is this happening? I don't, I don't even know what to say with this because for us, we never asked him to say that or even referred to ourselves in that way. We referred to ourselves as Chris and Jess. And you know, for him to say that truly represented the love that we were giving him of, that, of a mom and a dad. And it was, 
you know, a moment for us that meant so much um, because we could see how the love was not only changing him, but it was changing us. On January 8th of this year, 2020, he was reunited with his biological mom and he went home to live with her. He was in our home for exactly one year to date, from January 8th to January 8th. And I don't want our hurt to be misunderstood. In this moment, we miss him greatly, but it is so good that he's with his mom. It is right that he's home. But that little boy came into our home as a stranger and he left as our son. And we risked everything and loved boldly and saying goodbye was absolutely the hardest thing we've ever done. Uh, we miss him. We miss him every day. But in the midst of understanding that something's hard does not mean that it's not good. I know that hard is not the opposite of good. Even more so, there are no regrets on our end. There's no thoughts that maybe it wasn't worth it. It was absolutely worth it. More than anything, the, the, the things that we've received after January 8th were God's peace. He's flooded us com completely with his peace over and over again. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, God's peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. It doesn't make sense sometimes, but it doesn't have to. I know I have everything that I need. I know that God has been enough in this season for us. I know we're better for it today, and I know he's better for it today. And God hasn't finished writing our story either. There's so much in front of us. There's so much in front of him, and it's good. Uh, this is hard, but it's, it's not, uh, not no less good because it's hard. And I think this call comes back to living in the moment really being present and loving the one in front of us. I think that's so important for all of us. And you don't have to be a foster parent. I would encourage you, if fostering is on your heart, don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't say no. Uh, say yes. Be obedient. Uh, yes, there will be plenty of fears and there will be plenty of things in the journey that are complicated and difficult, but it is so good and it is so right. But for everyone else in here, you have the opportunity to intentionally love today, whether it's your kids intentionally love them today, whether it's your spouse, intentionally love today. It could be a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, a parent, any and all things, love intentionally today. And there's no guarantees in that. There's no guarantees that that love will be received. There's no you know, guarantees that it's gonna all work out exactly as you may have thought it up in your head. But I can tell you, even if they reject it or if you're hurt in the process, Jesus has been through it all and he understands and he says, I'm with you and he's enough. I think the challenge he gave us, and I think the same thing he would say today, is love intentionally today. Love unconditionally today. And God's peace, his grace, and his mercy will fill in the rest. Thank you. Those are some quality human beings right there. They are, um, we, Carrie and I have watched them love with abandon every day of the last year. I mean, love so hard, just pouring their lives uh, into this precious child. And as Chris and Jess said, it was worth it. Yes, it hurts, but it's so worth it. You know, this is what life is. If we didn't have any pain, it would mean that nothing was really worth anything to us. God has given us uh, so much, and, and one thing that, that Chris and Jess and Josh and Kelly and so many wanted to be sure you knew about is our foster care ministry here at the church. 
Maybe you think of foster care as being only for, the, our ministry is only being for those who have a special call to actually be a foster parent. And that's part of it. But I do want you to know that there are lots of ways you can be involved. And that's what the body of Christ is. It's all of us coming together to give in whatever way we can uh, to help those in need. And so um, Jess and Chris, um, they decided to foster because they had love to share. Josh and Kelly, after Jude went to be with the Lord, uh, made the decision to become certified to be foster parents, uh, not because of their feelings, but it was just very practical, a very practical and, and uh, solution to something they saw that they had a surplus of. They realized that we have a surplus of love, and we also have a nursery that's not being used. And so God, we have a surplus is there someone that you want to fill this with? Is there someone that we can pour this out on? And I wanna tell you just a few ways that you can be involved in our foster care ministry if you weren't aware of that. Um, there are several ways. One is you can be um, a part of coming to an information meeting to get all the details, um, and that's coming up. You could join our foster support team, and there are lots and lots of ways that you can get involved. Um, just helping out. Maybe you aren't called to foster a child, but you're saying, you know what? But I would love to help someone who does have that call in their life. I'd love to step in and help them out once in a while. That would be great. You can volunteer for our parents' night out. We have a foster parents' night out. Uh, the next one is coming up on March 27th. And that's where we have our uh, child care completely opened up to let foster parents in the community come and drop off their kids. We give them a, an evening of just enjoyment and fun and loving on them while the parents actually get to go on a date and um, have some of that uh, time alone that's much needed and oftentimes hard to come by when you're a foster parent. And then also, no matter what, I encourage you to be a part of praying for our foster uh, care ministry. Just pray for the kids in our community. Um, who need to find a foster home or adoption and pray that um, the Lord will raise up people who have that desire on their hearts. And lastly, we also have a foster adoption closet. And what that is is just a room here at the church, and we keep things on hand. You may have heard Jess mention that when they got the call that there was a little boy, a toddler, who uh, needed a home right then, they suddenly had to scramble to get everything together because if you know a child, a toddler, a baby, you know they come with a lot of gear. I mean, there's a lot of stuff involved. And so the goal is to have a place where um, when a foster parent gets the call that the child is coming into their home, we have the things they need. And so if you would like to help stock that closet, um, we can take non-expired car seats. Car seats do have an expiration date. Um, toddler beds and bedding, um, gently used baby gear, things like strollers or pack and plays or swings, all that kind of stuff, new clothing and toys. And I'll tell you why um, we are uh, asking if you want to donate clothes um, that they're new or toys. Um, and that's because when these kids that are in the system come to their new foster parent, so often all they have is the clothes on their back or what everything they belong in one little bag, maybe a grocery bag or a um, trash bag, just a bag of stuff, and almost all of it's just been passed down. And we want these kids to feel like they are special, they're new, this is something that belongs to them. We wanna give high honor uh, to these little kids um, that have kind of been lost a lot of times. 
and then also diapers and wipes. So if you're running through the grocery store and want to grab one of those items, the next time you're out and drop it off here at the church, that would be great. And that's a way you can be involved in the foster ministry. And so if you have any other questions, we have an email on the screen here, or you can um, go to the table out um, in the atrium on your way out, and we will have some people there who can answer your questions. Or on your um, Connect card inside of your bulletin, you can just take it out, write your name, contact information, and put foster care ministry, and someone will contact you and would love to talk to you about how you can get involved. But we'd love for this to be something our whole church can find a way to step into and get involved in because as a whole, we can make a huge difference in this community. So the miracle is in the middle, and the second thing we want you to see is the miracle is in the mess. The biggest fake news story in all history has been circulated by Satan for centuries, and the headline is this. You're the only one going through what you're going through. Everyone else is happy. Things are going great for everyone else. This is a happy church. Everyone around you is happy. God always comes through for everyone else, but not for you. No. You're not the only one going through what you're going through. You're not the only one going through pain. You're not the only one going through depression. You're not the only one who's experiencing a broken heart. You're not the only one who's going through loss. You're not the only one who's grieving. You're not the only one who's struggling with an addiction. You're not the only one who's struggling with what you're struggling with. You are not alone. It's the great thing about the body of Christ. I can tell you in a church our size, there's someone else and probably many who've already gone through what you're going through right now. Many who have gone through or are going through it right now, the exact thing you're going through. Don't believe Satan's lie that no one else is going through what you're going through. And so remember the miracles right in the mess because when you, don't th when you think you're the only one going through it, you don't share your story. You try to hide what's going on in your life. You try to hide the struggle. You try to hide the pain. You try to hide it and put on a good face and have that fake smile that goes along with the fake news story. But God wants you to open up your heart and he wants you to share your story. And that's when you find connection. That's when you find peace and strength from others around you. Look what David said in Psalm 13. In verse three, he said, look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. And David here is just being really honest with God. He's saying, God, here's my situation. If you don't come through for me, I'm dead. It's over. And I love how honest David is about his mess. He's really honest about the mess or the situation that he's in. And faith is not denying reality. Faith is just acknowledging that God is greater than your current reality. And God's the one who's writing your story and he's not done yet. So don't let your mess make you miss your miracle. A lot of times, we think the mess is the opposite of the miracle. And then sometimes we think there's a mess here, but I've got to dig underneath it and find the miracle. But many times, the mess is the miracle. We're looking past the mess and the pain and the problem, and we're trying to find the miracle when that is the miracle. The miracle is in it. It's right there wrapped up in it. I mean, think about the greatest mess human beings have ever 
created the worst, most evil, horrendous event in all of history was the crucifixion of the Son of God. When humankind crucified God himself, and by the way, whenever you see pictures of Jesus on the cross, it's really cleaned up. It's really kind of sanitized because he was beaten so badly, the Bible says that you couldn't recognize his appearance. And the blood just flowed over his face and caked over his face and he was unrecognizable, covered in blood. And it was a mess, a horrendous mess. But that worst event, the most evil event in all history, right in the middle of it was the greatest miracle of all time, the miracle of our forgiveness and our salvation and the free gift of heaven one day. The miracle was right in the middle of it all. So don't ever forget that. Your pain, your problem, your struggle, right in it is a miracle. And if Christ can take the worst event in all history, the crucifixion, and turn it into our greatest miracle, then he's not finished with you yet. He can take your mess and turn it into a miracle. He can take your pain and turn it into a great purpose. But then there's a third thing we want you to see. And that is that the miracle is in the making. Let's look back at how our key passage today finishes up. So after David honestly expresses his doubt and his fear and his anxiety, he says this, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. You see, here is where David takes the turn. He's saying, God, I don't like this. It hurts. I don't understand. I'm confused. I feel like I've been forgotten by you. But I am making a choice because I know that you are good to me. And so I will trust you. I choose to trust you. I will rejoice. I will sing. I will do these things. See, God gives us a choice. Over and over and over, we get to choose if we're going to trust him or not. We get to choose if we're going to say, God, I feel all alone, I don't understand, and then wallow in that and say, I won't even think about you, God, because I'm going to nurse my hurt. Or we can say, no, I choose to look beyond the fear. I don't even care what my feelings are right now. I'm gonna trust you. God, I'm taking you at your word. God, I'm, you said I could trust you, I am, I'm trusting you. You said to praise you, I am praising you. I will sing even when my heart is breaking. I will sing. I will follow you. We wanted Josh to share with you um, because right after Jude went to be with the Lord, he wrote a song that's on our Woodlands Worship album that speaks to my heart so much and it's all about how God can restore everything that's been taken. So welcome, Josh. So uh, after Jude went to be with the Lord, uh, Kelly and I obviously had a lot of doubts, uh, pain, and hurt. And to be honest, uh, at first I even felt foolish for believing that he would be healed in the first place. But as we grieved and processed everything that had happened, we couldn't ignore the goodness we had experienced. 
We would read through the miracle book, the, um, the book that my mom had started where we just wrote down all the little things that happen each day, the little and big doors that God had opened to get us to a place where we could uh, seek treatment for Jude, uh, the way that we got to see him every day on an ultrasound almost and, and just and watch him practice breathing and all these things. And we just couldn't deny looking at all God had done, that his fingerprints weren't all over Jude's story. And when we get down to it, Jude's story isn't that different from ours, any of ours. You see, if Jesus Christ never rose from the dead, then Jude's life really would be meaningless. And so would mine, and so would yours. Whether you live a hundred years or a day, Life is full of pain, setbacks, suffering, and wasted opportunities. And whether we are born into wealth and privilege or poverty and oppression, there's a universal sense that everything is not as it should be. And there is a universal fear that there is nothing more than this. In Joel 2.25, the prophet Joel tells the people of Judah in the Old Testament who are experiencing famine and plague wondering why God has forsaken them. And he says, you know, the Lord will repay them for the years the locusts have eaten. What they saw only as God's judgment in this broken world around them in pain, Joel was saying, no, 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 this is just a small part of God's story of restoration for his people. He goes on to say that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, perfect love casts out fear, and that love has a name, and it's Jesus. I think of my son, and often I can't help but think of all the years the locusts have eaten. All of the first days of school, the birthday parties, and the family trips. But Jude was made for eternity. And I look at my own life, all the mistakes I've made, the opportunities I've squandered, the hurt I've caused, and the guilt and shame I feel. I know it's not true, but sometimes I can't help but feel like that one day was the defining day of my life, and I failed. But I wasn't made for here. I was made for eternity. And you may feel like it's too late to open your heart, to salvage that relationship with the loved one, to live a life of purpose, but I've got good news for you. You were made for eternity. The God of creation says, I will repay to you the years that sin has taken away. I want you to see the brokenness of this life for what it really is, a reminder that this world wasn't always broken, that one day it's going to be made new, and I want you to tell everyone you can because I desire everyone to call on the name of Jesus to be saved. But we can't accept God's gift of restoration if we don't acknowledge that we've lost, that we've, we need restoration in the first place. That we do experience brokenness, that we do have hurt, that we do have pain. That's why Jesus came. That's why we believe what we believe. Not in spite of the hurt, but because of it. We know we need a Savior, and we have one. His name is Jesus. He's alive. And that's why this song starts with an admission of hurt and doubt. But it doesn't stay there long. So would you stand and sing with me?
You may be seated. And we want to finish up with this. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Underline that phrase, author and finisher. Jesus is the author of our stories, and he's the finisher of our stories, and our stories are not finished yet. And it turns out that these stories that are being written in our lives, it's not about us. It's all his story. Our lives are part of his story, his story of redemption for a lost and hurting world, his story of love, of how much he loves you, how much he loves me, how much he wants all of us to be together with him. You see, when I step outside my story, when I step outside my pain and can look at it from that perspective, I can see so clearly that Jude was and is an absolute gift, a gift, nothing but a gift. It's all a gift. You see, there's nothing that Josh and Kelly or Carrie or I or our family that any of us have ever done to deserve to get to know such an awesome, wonderful baby for a whole day. It's not why him, but it's why us. Why did we get the gift? We got to walk this journey with Jude. And we would do it again a thousand times over for the gift. You see, Jude's life began with one day on earth. But all the rest are being spent in heaven. Jude is in heaven now, and his naughty is coming after him one day. I promise you that, but not yet. And until that day, we want to love like crazy. Love till it hurts. See every gift for what it is. Instead of evaluating things on whether or not they hurt, looking at them, realizing, wow, we get to be a part of God's story. He loves us so much that we're not left on the side as a minor character that never plays a part. No, we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of the story he's writing of redemption. And he wants to rescue you. And if your heart is hurting right now, know this. Jesus is the author of your story. You can count on it. He's the finisher of your story, and he hasn't finished it yet. Our lives, the repercussions from the choices, the decisions we make, the love we give, our lives have repercussions through the years, regardless of if we're still on the earth or not. That is a really sobering thought to me because our lives echo on the good stuff or the bad stuff. Oh, God, let me be someone that the repercussions of my life are for good and not for evil, are for joy and not for pain, 
Jesus Christ, all we desire is to be like you. You know, some people think of Texas as the promised land. Yeah, there's a lot of you out there. Or maybe some of you are laughing, going, oh, yeah, <laughs> wait till it's summer. But say that I live for 70 years. If I move to Texas from another place when I'm one or when I'm five or when I'm 20 or when I'm 50, I still would live the same number of years. I would have changed location, but the number of years would not have changed. The length of my life wouldn't change. Well, we were made for eternity. We weren't made for a day or a year or 50 years or 70 years or 100 years. We were made for eternity. And when we leave this life, we're just changing location. The amount of eternity does not change. Jude has no less days to live because he was just here for one day. And that is what I am keeping my eye on. That's why I encourage you to look to on the days that are hard, the days you just don't know how you're going to keep going, look to Jesus. I want us to bow our heads right now. And in this moment, I just know that some of you just need to open your heart and receive Christ right now. And some of you are Christ followers, but you've kind of closed your heart off because of your pain and your hurt and your loss. And it's time to open your heart again. It's time to open your heart and dream again. It's time to open your heart and trust again. It's time to open your heart and believe again. It's time to open your heart and serve again. Open your heart. And if you've never opened your heart to Jesus and received Jude's Savior, just pray this prayer silently to God. Dear Jesus Christ, I open my heart to you. As best I know how, I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of all my sins. And I ask you to take me to heaven one day. I receive your free gift of heaven and salvation and forgiveness. And I ask you, Lord, to just... Give me the power and the will to follow you with all my heart and be the Lord of my life from now on. And then, Lord, we pray for everyone who's a Christ follower that you would help us live with hearts wide open. Lord, we start shutting down our hearts because we're afraid of pain and we don't know what the future holds and there's so much to be worried about. And, but, Lord, we know that you hold the future, so there's nothing to be worried about. Help us, Lord. Strengthen us to open our hearts wide open to love and to live and to receive all that you have for us and to give all that you want us to give for your glory one day at a time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us and, and what a great thing it is to be able to worship through our giving. And so as you give back to God, just thank him for all that he's given you because we only give back to him part of what he's already given us. And so it's all from God. It's all God's. It all is the Lord God's. And so as you give, just remember this, that you get to choose how much God blesses your life. For with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you, Jesus said. And so let's give with open hearts. Let's give generously with open hearts for his glory. And by the way, giving is an act of worship. That's why we do it at church. And... Um, you know, it really doesn't matter how you give. You can give online. You can give through our PushPay app on your phone right here, right now. You can give at home. 
You can set it up for regular giving. You can give right here with cash. You can give stocks. You can give many different ways. That's not the point. The point is make it faithful and regular and obedient because God blesses that obedience. And as you give, pray for over 120 mission projects and ministries now that are making a difference here and around the world. And God's using you powerfully to change lives one life at a time. Lord, bless our giving. We thank you that you have given us the greatest gift of all. And we pray, Lord, that we would unwrap it, receive it, and Lord, give. Bless everyone who gives. Bless them to be a blessing, Lord. We know that you've promised that you would, and I pray that you would do that right now. Help us to open our hearts to give to you so we can open our hearts and receive from you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.